Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Welcome to another episode of Shock Your Potential, the business podcast that focuses on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. But if you've been listening for a while now, you know that I step outside the boundaries of that sometimes to talk with different people with vastly different experiences and much different skill sets. And that's because at the end of the day, everything we do comes back to our human ability to connect and our ability to leave an impression with someone today. And what I want to do is introduce you to someone who is fabulous. And the first time I met him, well, we didn't even actually technically meet, but the impression he left on me was so stunning that I couldn't wait to talk to him again. And I can't wait to introduce the world to him on a little different scale. So I would like to introduce you all to my new friend. I hope I can say that and think I will after this. And his name is Kyle Dillingham. And Kyle, welcome today. Thank you very much, Michael. And please, yes, use use the use the friend word. Yay! Um, I am I'm so thrilled to to know you and to officially finally talk to you and have this chance to to get to know each other better today. This is going to be so much fun. I want to set it up just a little bit so that as you introduce yourself and you know who you are and what you do, um, I met Kyle at uh, in the audience of Good Morning America a couple weeks ago, and we were both audience members, but he got an opportunity to stand up in front of uh, the whole crowd uh, before we went live in the studio and share his very unique talent. And of course, by that, I mean, Kyle, your ability to do the worm. <laughs> okay. You weren't talking about my fiddle playing just yet. <laughs> exactly. No, the fiddle playing just came after, but I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody in a uh, in a suit and a sweater vest uh, do the worm before. That was quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my um, secret talents. Uh, <laughs> I used to actually practice a bunch of weird stuff like that, falling uh, purposefully falling downstairs to, to really... <laughs> <laughs> to really make people freak out. I'd had a lot of things like that that I sp- spent a lot of time working on as a kid. How come I'm not surprised at all, especially <laughs> when we get into really what uh, what blew the entire group away, and that is your amazing fiddle uh, talents. It's it's just outrageous. So let me just throw it to you. You know, Tell us all a little bit about yourself and yeah. what you do for a living, and, and tell us why the fiddle. Yeah, well, I've I've kind of been uh, known as Oklahoma's musical ambassador. I was born and raised in a um, in the town of Enid, northwest Oklahoma. 
um, about 48,000 people. I, I've spent a lot of time on the su- uh, in my summers on the farm with my grandparents. My grandpa was a wheat and cattle farmer, and I'm a fifth-generation Oklahoma. My great-great-grandfather settled in Oklahoma, the land run of the Cherokee Strip in 1893, wow. and had kind of that farm experience. My other grandfather was a custom harvester, so a lot of agri- agriculture and farming backgrounds. Um, I always thought I would be a either a farmer or a professional skateboarder, um, but eventually <laughs> One music other. music kind of took took full bore of my life. And by the time I had gotten to college, um, I went to Oklahoma City University. I started uh, traveling a lot for my university. I have since had an opportunity in the last twenty almost 25 years, maybe, or not quite that long, a chance to travel and represent Oklahoma and the United States in about 37 countries, using music and musical diplomacy to build and develop relationships and just watch how how music can bring people together, how music can change an environment, um, and not just music, and I think we'll have more of a t- chance to talk about this mm-hmm. as we go along, but but I think music is a very powerful tool. I believe it's, it goes deeper than that. I think it has to do with our intentions. But, but anyways, the fiddle came along because my grandpa was really loved keeping uh, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys going in the pickup truck. Oh, fabulous! Western swing sound was was really um, a, a big part of my childhood. And I found a we found a violin at a garage sale when I was. Summer before fourth grade, I was about nine years old, almost ten. In fact, this this summer will mark the thirtieth anniversary since I, since I got my first violin. And, oh, that's beautiful! Um, and it was just one of these things. I drew an instant connection to that music, which was already in my heart and in my soul, and and just uh, started started going from there. I couldn't wait to fiddle. I mean, I just couldn't wait to fiddle. <laughs> that's fabulous and and don't laugh when I tell you that I actually played the violin for six years and pretty much I not that I hated it but my mother made me do it so <laughs> when your mother makes you do something oh, okay. you don't embrace it the same way and it's one of those things that when I finally decided to move on from that to other parts of you know my musical loves um, I, I look back now and I'm I'm kind of, well, I'm disappointed in myself, but I also look back and think, gosh, you know, at least I had it. I had it. I, not many people play the violin anymore. And there's something that really is um, timeless about it. But the way you create your music from what at least I saw and what I've seen as I've, you know, been watching a little bit of uh, different things about you on, on uh, your website and such is that you take it to a different level of, of joy even. Well, you know, uh, Michael, I think that uh, that part of that is just was my environment. Like I said, I was in this small uh, kind of rural community, and not a lot of there. There's actually been a lot of interesting talents that have come out of Enid, including uh, op, one of the iconic opera singers of our time, Leona Mitchell, was from Enid, and Michael Hedges, legendary guitar player. Mm-hmm. It was not like the kind of place where you were just, you know, there's this huge music scene and you're having all kinds of opportunity. But I, <laughs> I, I was very fortunate, and I met some people early on that that kind of embraced me and took me in and, and made music with me. And uh, it was fun, and we, we were able to do it regularly. And I learned a lot from those people. And they were all older than me. They, my my best friend, from the time I was about eleven, all the way through high school, was the same age as my father, 
and he was kind of like my musical father, mm. George Davis. And George we, and I, we would spend hours and hours just playing music together. And, and I mean, it was, we'd just sit around and make music just for the sake of having just the fun, the pure joy. And he was kind of doing it rather, you know, he really was hitting, you know, reaching for something in his soul to really, uh, to really find, you know, something very important for him in his life. But for me, I was just take soaking it all in and saying, oh, this is sacred. This is, this is special. Let's just, let's just do this and have as much fun as possible. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I, at early on in my, my career, I had an opportunity to have a couple feature performances on the Grand Ole Opry. I was still in high school. I saw that. Yeah. And I, I ended up, I was supposed to be on with Roy Clark. And at the last minute, he, his schedule didn't allow him to be on the Opry. And so I was, I was featured with uh, Mike Snyder, a banjo player and median. And I'll never forget when he introduced me, he said, here's a young man who loves playing the fiddle more than anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, you know, that was kind of, that was just, that's, that's a good way to describe it. The same day I got my invitation to the Grand Ole Opry, I had also been auditioning for the All-State Orchestra, Oklahoma All-State Orchestra competition. And I didn't make it into the All-State Orchestra, um, <laughs> but you've my been violin, on the Opry stage. But I got invited <laughs> that same night. I got invited to be a guest performer on the Grand Ole Opry, which the irony of that is just insane. I think you did all right. <laughs> um, but but there is a there's a joy uh, that I think sometimes in any of our work, and I try to communicate this when I'm talking to young performers or or whoever it is that I'm speaking with about just the fact that you know I like to say that on day one we make music. Um, and there's a lot of room to grow technically, but we have that ability to make music on day one, and it's important to realize that and recognize that and to embrace that and to share that right away. And I think it's when we get into the sharing that we can start experiencing the joy because as we share our music or whatever it is that we have to give, we start seeing the response of people and how it touches people and changes people's lives and it and it and boy that comes back to you and you think I just I just did this simple simple thing you know I just played my fiddle this is something that doesn't take in a huge amount of effort on my part but it really did had this big effect and that has always been something that's just excited me and just made me so so joyful about doing that well, and I, you know, as you were talking about um, this man, that uh, George was like your musical father. And I think that's such a beautiful sentiment um, for so many reasons. But also because, you know, one of the things I always ask people that, you know, of course, I'll ask you in a little while is, you know, what a piece of advice would you give yourself, you know, if you could look back and you could give yourself some guidance. And, and part of that question is to share what we know and what we've learned, and, but also to share our appreciation of that and how we learn those things. And whether or not it's, you know, your musical parent or it's someone who mentored you in business or it's someone who, you know, helped you through a tough time, you know, to, to pay homage to people that help us become the best that we are and that develop us is something that I think it's, it's important to do today. It's important to do anytime, but just to stop sometimes in our crazy lives and our crazy worlds and take some time just to be thankful and, and to acknowledge. Oh yeah. I think just when you start talking like that, I think of somebody else that, uh, in my life, I have a, a very good friend, um, Dennis Dunham, and he was 
nowhere close to the music industry, but he was the vice president of international affairs at Oklahoma City University when I was a student. And he immediately kind of was drawn to me and recognized what I was doing with my music and just right away started taking me overseas. Like that first summer after my freshman year of college, took me and my roommate, Peter Marcus. Peter plays guitar in my band with me. He took us to Malaysia, Singapore, and Thailand to help. We were doing actually just playing performances and he was he said I saw very very instantly that that what you guys did was was so special um, and it uh, he, he was taking me everywhere around the world from that point forward um, helping develop relationships for the university and that's kind of where my whole career as a musical ambassador began Dennis recognized that and Dennis became a, a mentor. Uh, a friend and somebody who would would encourage me and and guide me uh, early on in my life in my career. That's fantastic. So so tell me a little bit about that. So you know you've given the term a couple times, and I know it's on your business card because we were uh, you were getting some grief about that at Good Morning America. But you know, musical ambassador. You know what? Tell me what that. I, you know, as you've described it a little bit, I understand the concept, but tell me what that really means. You know, how do you live that? How do you fulfill that kind of title? Well, for starters, I think it, it like I say, it comes back to your, to your intentions. It starts with recognizing that when you, wherever you are, you're always representing more than yourself. It's true for everybody. It's just that we don't all think about it. It's who you are. It's where you're from. It's where you studied. It's where you live. It's where you work. It's all these things. And I've just, early on, like I say, I, I was put in a position where I was being sent around the world for my university. And it's like, you know, if, if, the, if the university was just going by themselves, you know, they're going to try to visit this university in Seoul, Korea, and they're going to try to engage and, and develop a, a sister university partnership agreement, for example. Then you're just kind of, you're just kind of going and knocking on the door and, and talking and, and trying to work through that. But when I would go along, um, I would have my fiddle. <laughs> the same thing, you're knocking on the door, you're, you're meeting, and, but, mm-hmm. but very early on, you know, there's curiosity about, about who is this and what is he carrying. Why is he and, carrying a fiddle? <laughs> yeah, and the very next thing is, well, um, he's a, this is Kyle, he's a fiddle player, he's from America, and we've brought him, and we'd like to, he'd like to play a song for you. And I get my fiddle out and start playing, and... And just watch, sit back and watch the way it just would change the environment, the way it would warm the atmosphere, the way it would bring smiles and start sparking ideas and thoughts. I think, you know, I'm interested in, in knowing more about you, but I, what I gather is, is you're, you really are into this concept of, of shocking, shocking your audience. I don't know however you, however you want to put it, but mm-hmm. um, the way I always thought about it is... Um, is creating vulnerability. You do something that is not anticipated, and suddenly you catch people off guard. And yes. they are vulnerable, and they're open and receptive to uh, on a whole new level to ideas, to to engaging in a different way. It, strength, it accelerates relationship, and it also sparks uh, creative thought, I think, because it just takes you somewhere you didn't expect to be, and that's a great place to be when you're wanting to when you're wanting to get to know somebody. 
Absolutely. Well, and yeah. I think that's really why, you know, I have two core concepts. And the first is with my first book on leadership, which is called Tell Me More, which is about asking more questions rather than constantly talking, mm. because we live in a society, especially where people feel I've got to have my elevator pitch and I've got to, here's my business card. And these are the things that define me. Mm-hmm. And I want to turn that on its head a little bit and say, you know, the more we listen, the more information we really gain and mm-hmm. we can use it, you know, we can use those powers for good, um, not evil, right? but also then that should shock people a little, you know, that we should, you know, we should do things that are a little out of the norm, a little, a little off putting and not to make people uncomfortable, but to rather to kind of wake people up. You know, how do I, how do I make sure you're paying attention? And just as you're describing that with your music, you know, to, to change the dynamic and change the flow, it changes the way people normally operate, which is why I think we can start to have different outcomes and sometimes Mm. so many positive. I love that. Well, in addition, just one other thought before I lose it in my head is, you know, for me, I, I, music has been a part of me my whole life. So I, I love to sing. I love, I played many, many instruments. I don't do anything other than sing to myself anymore. And occasionally some bad karaoke or good karaoke (laughs) depends on where I, where I am. Um, but music is kind of a, uh, it's, it's a language all its own and it doesn't. So even if you have language barriers, you're going to Seoul, Korea, you may still have people that all are speaking the same language together, but they're not their first languages, you know, in order to create some continuity or a little bit more, you know, lubrication between the the sentences, you know, music can fill those gaps in a really different way. I think that's a, oh, yeah. that's a real tribute to your recognizing it, but it's yeah. a real tribute to your university for seeing that and, 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 capitalizing on it, really using right. that to expand opportunity. Right. I, uh, I've continued work uh, with Dennis, my friend Dennis, through the years. He's now the executive director of global affairs at the University of Central Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And there's a uh, Saudi, through the Saudi Cultural Mission in uh, D.C., they, there's a huge scholarship program where the Saudi government uh, basically funds students, Saudi students, to study in America. And it's kind of a big deal because those students bring a lot to communities, not just through economically, but just diver- diversely what they can bring and offer. And but it is it is an, and has an economic impact on a community and on a university, and because those students come fully funded from their government. Mm-hmm. UCO had not been receiving those students because of some uh, some clerical errors in the past or whatnot. But one of the very first things I did working for um, for UCO, Dennis took me to D.C. and we had a meeting at the Saudi Cultural Mission to try to straighten some of that out and start receiving some of those scholarship students. And I took my fiddle, as I always do. In the meeting, we were having <laughs> have have fiddle, fiddle, travel. travel, and we were sitting there, and we're having this meeting, um, and this guy is just, and he's just kind of looking, he's just looking at us like, you know, you know, you realize this is going nowhere. We're not going to change our stance on this. <laughs> um, it's nice that you came all this way. We could have this hat. And so he, and he's getting a little, maybe a board or, just you know, wanting a change to change change the things up, and he says, "Who are you, anyways?" He looks at me and he's like, "Who are you, anyways? <laughs> Why are you here? And what's in your case?" And I said, "It's Kama- I said it's Kamanja, which is the Arabic word for violin." He said, Kamanja. Ah. And I said, yeah. He said, well, maybe you play something for us. So I opened up my case and I started playing this classical Arabic tune. And oh my gosh, and Kyle. suddenly people started coming out of their offices 
and the room was was filling with people from the back rooms of the cultural mission. And everybody's coming in. And pretty soon this man comes in and says, who, who, who is this playing the violin? (laughs) And it was the cultural attache to the United States from Saudi Arabia. And he stops and he looks at me and he says, it can't be you. He said, when I'm listening, it must be, I'm thinking it must be a professional violinist from Cairo. And then I see you, this tall, blonde hair, blue eyed. He said, come with me, just come with me. So he drug me away to the back, back, back uh, um, interiors of the, of, the, of the building to his office and sat me down and he started talking to me and, and asking me all about where I, did I learn this music and blah, blah, blah. And, and I started talking to him about uh, Arabic music and how I'd learned here in Oklahoma from some friends. And, and he said, you play Arabic music in Oklahoma. I said, well, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. we do. And uh, he said, and what university are you with again? I said, the University of Central Oklahoma. He said, you play Arabic music at, at this university too? I said, yeah. He said, this is marvelous. He said, well, this is, this, is, this is wonderful. And he said, he just drug me back and he said, this meeting's over. He said, we're, we're going to send lots of students to UCO. Um, that's, that's what we're going to do. And it happened. We went from receiving uh, one or two, which were kind of almost really accidental students, to, uh, in the course of a year or so to nearly 150 a year. That is fantastic. And these students, and it's just unbelievable. Eventually, they, they said, we're, we're actually sending you too many. <laughs> we got to stop. You know, um, but, but, and the students were having a great experience as well at the university. It was a good, it was a good relationship. But I love even further about that story is this man uh, called up the university one day and said, I need to, I need to talk to your violinist. <laughs> and they said, your violinist, you know, whoever, you know, this poor person that, that had to answer, that the, that answer the phone that day, you know, our violinist. In, anyways, it ends up getting to my friend Dennis, and he puts us in touch, and, and he says, I need you in Washington, D.C. at the Hay Adams Hotel on such and such date at this time, and you have to be there. And I said, well, I've got a concert that day. And he said, no, 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 I need you there. <laughs> cancel your you concert. Have to cancel yeah. your concert. So I did. I oh thought, well, this is, this is an adventure, you know. Yeah. I, I can play another concert. We can reschedule. But this is an adventure. And I have no idea what I'm doing. They said, we'll pick you up. We'll limo you to your hotel and to the, uh, the venue. And, but you need to come and bring your violin and dress like you were the day I met you. <laughs> and and I, so I did. And um. I, I was so curious, and he said, "Don't tell any talk. You can't talk to anybody about this. This is secret." And I thought, "My gosh, who am I playing for? What is going? What's going to happen?" You know, and I'm imagining all kinds of things. It must be the most important thing. I'm maybe I'm playing for the president of the United States, or I, I mean, I had yeah. no idea what I was doing, um, but I knew it was a big deal, and it was very, very important to this man. And so I, I show up. And I'm thinking, what is this? And it turns out, at the end of the night, um, this man had invited me to come perform the music for the wedding of his daughter. Oh, Kyle. He said, um, and, and I, at that moment I realized this is the most important thing that could have happened. This is the most important thing, if you think about, um, about that just a little bit. Oh, and, and he said, you know, my daughter is Arabic, but she um, was raised also in America part of the time. And she told me, she said, Daddy, for my wedding, I want Kimanja. 
Um, but I don't just want Arabic music. I, I like Irish fiddling and I, I like John Denver and I like, <laughs> I like all of these things, you know, she was listing and, and he said, you know, there's only one person I know that can do this. And it's this violinist I met from Oklahoma. And, um, he said, at the end of the night, um, he told me, he said, um, he said, I'm paying you double for two reasons. One, wow. because you're the best. He said, uh, no, but number two, he said, you saved me from embarrassment. He said, when I told everybody, as for the music <laughs> for my daughter, I'm having just one violinist and from Oklahoma. <laughs> everybody said I was crazy. Absolutely. But, but tonight, everybody left talking about you. Um, it turned out some of his, uh, some of the relatives had had their education uh, in France. They had a French education. So they only spoke Arabic and French. They didn't speak English, but French is my second language. And I also love a lot of the old French music. So I ended up playing and, and communicating with them and singing songs from their childhood uh, from France and playing the John Denver and playing the classical Arabic music <laughs> and, and fiddling and everything in between. And it was just this it was one of these magical moments that if you tried to, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't invent, you can't, you know, make this stuff up. You can't make up. that up. No. Um, Just tell me you didn't play the devil when the devil comes down to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and it's these things like this, Michael, that just make me think, I've got to keep going. This is good work. This is important work. And, and it drives me. And I, I always think there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more that I could be doing. Because um, I think there really is a chance to, to do something that has an impact on this world. Well, you know, as you were talking, and that story is phenomenal on so many levels. And a lot of my listeners are business people in, in certain, you know, in a lot of different industries, but I have a, a great following yeah. of especially retail salespeople. And I, I can almost hear some of them going, well, that's great. And that's wonderful. And he can play the fiddle. But I think there's a really important lesson here is you knew where you were going to that first meeting. Now, granted, you'd already had exposure to Arabic music, which is unusual, but knowing you for the short amount of time I have, even if you hadn't, I can see you working something, you know, playing, practicing something, mm -hmm. knowing where you're going. And it's that respect that you show for someone else's position, their company, their time, their, their um, appearance in your store, you know, as a customer. Mm -hmm. That it's, you know, right. when we make true connections, when we really look at and listen, and I always say that I talk about true active listening, that it's not just with your ears, it's with your eyes, it's with your emotions, it's all the pieces mm -hmm. of you. When you truly listen to someone that way, and you are looking to make a connection, it it can be found and the results are powerful, but it's so easy for us mm. to say, well, I'm going to go to this meeting and we don't have enough of these students. So we're going to lay out our case and, you know, we're going to see what happens instead of really trying to reach people on a different level, on a different plane. You do it through music. You know, I've heard many speakers do it through different storytelling. I do it through a variety of different mediums, but even that, that retail salesperson or sales manager can reach their customer just by being there and taking that time mm -hmm. to look at each person as an individual. Right. You, you've said uh, something that really, um, that I, that I think about a lot, which is music, you know, is another language that fills in those gaps and, and listening to somebody and being prepared sort of 
within the context of where you are, who you're talking with. These things all resonate with me, and it meant so much more to me after I'd learned French, because that was, you know, another spoken language. But when I went back to the music, um, everything I did with music started expressing differently. And I realized mm -hmm. that music was, and I, and I talk about this when I go and, and do talks, whether it's for a Rotary Club or something like that, where I'll talk about, you know, we all say that music is the national language. And I really believe it. Um, and if you really did, if you thought it was, then you would try to find a way to incorporate music into every aspect of your life that, that requires communication. Mm -hmm. So just imagine if you have this tool that, that, that you can use to communicate with anybody on the planet. Um, and it's a very, yeah. very it's right effective there at your tool. fingertips. Uh, since it's what I do, I'd be a fool not to, but, but you're right. It's, it's not, uh, for the, for the person in retail, you don't have to, you know, to take your fiddle, your guitar to your, to your sales job. Um, <laughs> It's, it's really more than anything because it comes back to that intention. You're wanting to make a connection with these people. You're wanting to create a memory. You're wanting to create a bond. And that's going to require listening. It's going to require finding out about this person and who they are. And then drawing an association and uh, trying, to, trying to connect and being sincere with this person. So it sounds a little like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure what you were studying besides music in college, but did you intend to be, you know, the, almost, well, truly this ambassador? Did you did you see that as your course or did you have more intentions of, you know, being a performer only? Where did you, where did you see yourself going? I, I was a music performance major on the violin and my goals, I mean, I had, didn't, set out with the goal of kind of being this musical ambassador. It's something that even very recently has just sort of dawned on me that, you know, this is what I do. I mean, this is something, this is rather important that I have over 20 years of experience performing music in 37 countries. That's just, you know, that's pretty massive when you think about it. Um, uh, it's, it's not a small, small accomplishment, and it's a lot of experience that if I said, well, what, what is it that I could be doing? I think just really trying to leverage that. And I've just recently made a pretty big shift in my career. Up to this point, it has just been, I've been making my living as a full-time performing artist, primarily within Oklahoma and even more locally in Oklahoma City, my home, to, my, where I live now. And then a lot of this international travel, but really missing a lot of the rest of the United States. So I've just recently, um, Jim Halsey has just become my manager last July. Jim Halsey has, uh, is a legendary impresario, guided careers of the likes of Roy Clark, Oak Ridge Boys, Waylon Jennings, mm -hmm. Reba McIntyre, Merle Haggard, uh, Leon Russell, Righteous Brothers, James Brown. I mean, his list just goes on and on and on. Yeah, he's got quite a resume. One of the things about Jim, the most important things about Jim, is um, is is his leadership. And you know, I think about when I think about a a leadership experience or something that has just really had an impact on me. I can just look very recently, I can just look to each little meeting that I have with Jim. We met this last week, we were getting together in his office in Tulsa. He had somebody in from Nashville, he wanted 
uh, me to come and perform, a little showcase in the office, but we sat and talked. As we all gathered, he said, well, you know, we're all here to talk because, because we all believe that music can change people's lives. And it's just like that one little sentence is just so bold and it's so real mm-hmm. and it's so focusing, it's so narrow. And he said, the more we can accomplish in what we're doing, the bigger accomplishment we can have and the more success we can have, the better chance we have of changing this world for the good. Amen. And he said, so he said, so our hope is that we can we can all be very successful in our endeavors together. Um, and he said, this is our service. This is our service. We're changing people's lives. And I just, I just loved that because it's so easy as an artist to, well, so easy in any industry to get kind of focused on your, on your talents, to get focused on yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, a month or so ago, I remember we had, we had a couple of days. I was out in uh, Nashville and with some meetings and playing a little bit, and Jim had sent me. And at the end of a couple of days, we were on the phone, and there had just been a lot of success, a lot of great things happened, a lot of uh, just some wonderful stories. And he said, now we've had this great success, we just need to stop and think about how we can give back. Oh, my gosh. And I just thought, wow, we haven't, you know, you know, I just, I love that because... I'm talking, when I talk to young musicians, and I even at one point created kind of a a little bullet point of things, uh, kind of a message to the young violinist or the young musician. And one of the things that I talk about in, to young musicians is to right away, like if you're, if you're a violinist, learn a song, learn it, memorize it. And I say, go, you know, if you live in a neighborhood, go like... I used to do this when I was a kid. I lived on a little cul-de-sac, and and I, we knew our, our neighbors up and down the street, but I would take my violin, I'd learn a new song, and I would literally go door to door, and I would knock on their doors. Oh my goodness, I can totally I would, see you doing this. <laughs> they would open the door, and I'd start playing whatever it was, you know, this little fiddle tune I'd learned, Turkey in the Straw, or who, who knows what it was. And just the look on their faces, and... You talk about shocked, you know. Absolutely. Um, and and I always I always tell them tell people I say you need to be that you need to be that that ten or eleven year old kid standing on somebody's front porch with a fiddle, you yeah. know. It's the last thing somebody is expecting. And <laughs> but having, what a but what a joy! What a joyous what a joy gift to open the door to <laughs> to just to just totally you know. To, catch you off guard to totally just give you this little you know moment that you can talk about forever but it it's also about giving it's also about sharing what you have and we all have something no matter who we are or what kind of shape we're in I have this project called Broken Beyond Repair and I take um and we perform in fact as a whole band at some point in our show we will break down to just we'll all pick up these broken violins and we'll make music on them showing that in our brokenness there's still a unique beauty and a value in every person created in God's image and how we can be used just as we are, just as we are in our brokenness. I'm weak, therefore I'm strong. And, but just to, to share. And, and I, think that's, I think that's all kind of trying to think about the meaning of life and what it is that we're doing. And every day I think we're, we're trying to figure out how to have more meaning in our lives. And, and I think the very first thing we can think about is what do we have to give that is uniquely ours. 
It is such a stunning and beautiful sentiment, especially to see, you know, so many people think they're searching for perfection in how they look or their weight or how they achieve. And yet none of us are perfect in any way, shape or form, but we all have perfection within us just by who we are as individuals and to, to see that and to acknowledge it and to celebrate it. I would like to see that. I bet that is a beautiful part of your show. I'm going to have to figure out how to come see you uh, more than just what I saw you in the audience that day. Clearly there's, there's something uh, that is, is spectacular beyond just what I've seen so far. I have to figure a way to come see you. There (laughs) we go. And I'll bring my fiddle. (laughs) (laughs) If if you don't, you better show up at my doorstep with a fiddle. That would be, (laughs) and as you were talking about that story too, as a child, you know, it, it, it brought back this rush of memory of when I was a child and we still had people doing Christmas carols Mm -hmm. in our neighborhood. And for a while I did, um, you know, that was, you know, I love doing that because it is, it's so shocking and it's such a kind of a, a, you know, Oh, isn't that a lovely little Rockwell, you know, moment, but it really Mm -hmm. is, there's something joyous about just, you know, being together and, and having community, yes, and sharing the joy of a song to, to pull you together. Plus, my goodness, what better way to uh, get over any stage fright and just exactly. be put on a concert that, as you go down the, uh, the, the thing block? That, that people are always asking, how is that you perform with such ease? I say, well, you need to practice what it is that you want to do. I said, if you want to perform, you need to practice performing. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of ironic that, you know, you're going to become this you're this violin performance major. You spend, you know, six to 12 hours a day, you know, just in isolation, perf- perfecting your craft in order to have a, car- a career being in public. Yes. It's like, how is it that you can spend all of your time in isolation to prepare for the thing that's going to be with people? <laughs> Absolutely. It, so it, it, it makes it leads me to believe that that the perfection is not so much so in the technical achievements, but it's in mm-hmm. the way you can connect. I think it's always more important. I often have people ask me how come I'm very comfortable. I could speak in front of, I think the largest group I've spoken in front of is roughly about 2000 right now. And, right. you know, so I'll, I can be in front of two people. I can be in front of 2000. I love it. And it's funny when people say, gosh, you know, you have such confidence up there. How do you do that? And I always say, you know, it's really simple. I'm not afraid of making a fool of myself. Mm. <laughs> right. And you know what? During the course of an hour presentation or an eight hour, you know, sales training or leadership training, I will make a fool out of myself purposefully and sometimes on accident. And right. I don't care. I don't let it stop me. I can stop and laugh at myself. Right. And that laughter makes it about what the message is, not about, you know, me putting on, you know, the total, total perfection, you know, on the outside. I'm going to screw it up. I screw up 16 things a day when I'm taping podcasts. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't really matter in the end as long as I'm a human being. Right. We're all, and, and that's what we all are. And that's why we want, that's why we'll connect because that'll be something we we all instantly have in common is that we all make mistakes we all err uh, in to one or another and instead of you know trying to you know go to a performance and say mm-hmm. you know oh man that he played that note flat or he that was sharp or this was that or the you know it's like what about that person after the show that came up and I and we're often our worst critics it's so easy to be Absolutely. I'm the one doing that saying, oh, I wish I had. And it's the times when it's when I feel like I've just done the worst 
in terms of technical achievement that I come off stage and there's somebody waiting with tears in their eyes saying that there was this one song you played that yeah. that my grandfather was a fiddle player and he used to always play it for me as a child. And he's, mm. you just took me back. I just saw my grandfather playing the fiddle there. I hear these stories all the time. And I think, how can we, how can we be so, so foolish to, to judge our performances or, or whatever it is that we're doing on one set of criteria when there's so many more important things? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I can't believe how fast the time has flown. My goodness, we are we're <laughs> we're well, we're probably a little past the end, but um, it is just it's been such a joy talking and learning more about you. And before I, I want to make sure I'll have all this up on the show notes, but I want to make sure that people um, know how to reach you. So if they want to learn more about you, and I have your website that I'll put up as yeah. well, but will you you know give the best details for people to follow you and find you? Yeah, if you go to horseshoeroad.net, that's my website. You can also find links to all my social media there. You can just Google Kyle Dillingham. I'm very easy to find. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> there's not a lot of Kyle Dillinghams. <laughs> but um, there's not a lot that uh, that play the fiddle. I've discovered, but um, so I hope, and I hope you will. I hope you'll you'll find find me and connect with me and. Um, as you did, Michael. I mean, it was amazing uh, the way you reached out that later that day after good, the Good Morning America when we were both there, and because you said, like you said, we were we were strangers. We didn't actually meet, but you reached out, and it created this connection and allowed this opportunity for us to talk today. So thank you. Thank you. I'm so pleased to have had you as a guest and uh, hope to, well, I know we will continue on, but I hope that uh, many of my listeners will take the time to find you as well. And for anyone who uh, is uh, curious as well and connected on my Instagram, uh, you will find uh, the video that I took of Kyle and in his performance at Good Morning America <laughs> on my Instagram uh, feed because it was, in fact, I, I actually put it on LinkedIn as well. So anywhere you're following me, you'll be able to find that uh, because it's well worth the watch without a doubt. Your blog, so Kyle, thank and my blog everywhere. Yeah, that's on the website blog. It's on my shockyourpotential.com, shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. I'll get all my commercials in here. You're awesome. <laughs> I hope you do. That is fabulous. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Any last words of, of closure you want to share with the audience? Um, well, earlier you, you uh, asked, you said we'd get to it about um, the, the, the one bit of advice you give yourself. Uh, Oh, yes, earlier, and we didn't get to that. Your Please life. do. I would actually turn that around. Um, when you said that, I would actually turn that around. And especially as we've talked today, I would I would say, what kind of advice would I give myself now from my career early on that could shock my potential faster now? And I think I started thinking about that kid that was on the going door to door myself today mm -hmm. and realizing that although with good reason, there's a lot of a lot more anxiety and stress as we get older and responsibilities, but to just realize that there's, that the worry, um, being concerned or worrying or stressing about things really is a waste of time and energy. And that's the advice I think I'm going to give myself today is just to try to be a little more carefree, try to be a little more youthful in my mind as I'm uh, going through, through the day-to-day -day work. That is beautiful. And I think that's a great piece of advice for all of us. Harness our inner child and remember the things that we did without fear right. and without stress and without trepidation, just because we didn't know any better. Yes. Maybe it's time we don't know any better anymore. Let's just forget it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Kyle. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.